Are you ready? Are you really ready? Can you dig it? Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. Can you happening? Can you happening? murder which is sweeping the eastern third of the nation is being committed by creatures who feast upon the flesh of their victims. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Hail to the king, baby. Welcome to the first annual 2010 Best of Magic Manuscript Awards. Uh, tonight, Tangent would be normally introducing the show, but he is currently attempting to get back to this podcast while driving in a blizzard. For some reason, where he lives, out in the western part of the United States, they are getting more snow than they are anywhere else in the country. Tonight with me, we are joined by the most hated man in magic, and is nominated for a Manuscrewed Award, Jack! So, with both those coinciding, does that mean I show up to podcast in like a really ratty suit or a really nice one? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. And the man behind the magic that is MTG Cast, also nominated for a Man Screwed Award, Chris. There you go. All right. First of all, before we get the show started, I want to clearly state before we start announcing the candidates for these particular awards, I did not nominate myself for any of these categories. If I am listed in there, it's because other people did. Just want to make that perfectly clear to start. And I totally would be lying if I said I nominated my, for myself anywhere in this entire poll. <laughs> okay, well, let's have some fun. Okay, true. So we're going to let Jack start. Jack, start with number one for us. All right, do we need a drum roll or anything? I think we do. All right, gentlemen, our first topic for the evening is card of the year. And I take it from here, I have to go over the nominees, of course, right? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All right, all right. First up, we have the ever-popular, ever-maligned Jace the Mind Sculptor. Next is Insight. Yes, really, the card from M11. Blood Raid Elf. Day of Judgment. Ever-Flowing Chalice. And Lotus Cobra. Thoughts, gentlemen? Well... Okay. Yes. Jack? I would definitely have to go with Jace. I mean, it's... To be completely blunt, J Jace has just set a barrier for some formats and just completely changed the way others function. It's like Randall said a couple of weeks back, he's the man. Jace the Mind Sculptor has just changed the way decks function, made whole decks possible. And I mean, it's he gets the work in and he gets it done. If well, you're not playing want... with Jace and you got access to blue, you either don't need him or you're just doing it wrong. Well, I want to tell you what... What justified insight being added to this list? Okay, well, first of all, we here at Manuscrewed like to do things extremely democratically. We're not just some kind of totalitarian podcast where we're going to give you a couple of selections and then that's it. We're actually allowing you to, yes, ladies and gentlemen, hold your breath, vote on these things. That's right. It's not just us naming off these random guys. You get to actually vote on them, and next week we're going to announce the winners. Well, what I did is, originally the thought was that just the four of us were going to make votes on this, and then we were going to kind of have a, the show that way. Well, our friend KYT from the A-Team uh, said, why don't you open it up and let other podcasters vote for categories? And then we could come up with a list and have people vote on it, 
and then the next week you could have the actual award show. So we ran with that idea, and every vote that came in that's listed on this list is a vote that someone sent in. And if I have extra background I can give on to it, such as the reason why Bloodbraid Elf was on there, it was voted on there because it wrecked the format with John. Uh, Day of Judgment was put on there because Day of Judgment was used to in blue-white control to be a complete board sweeper and anything that has wrath effects is powering. Uh, Everflowing Chalice was voted for by Monday Night Magic's own Tom because he says it's one of his favorite cards. And Lotus Cobra, as we know, is part of one of the best combinations in Eldrazi Green and any ramp combination card. So that's why they were voted for. So let's go on to Category 2, which should be an interesting category, and I will throw this one to you, Chris. Yes. Um, this should be an interesting category. It's kind of it's kind of wide open. Most people know Nick due to, like you said, its success at Star Games, uh, Star City Game Tournaments. Uh, Matt, because of his recent success, and um, last one because they actually won Rookie of the Year. So this one should be definitely a wide open category. Let's go to our next category, which is the one that I find is a lot of fun, and that's Deck Builder of the Year. Um, Jerry Thompson nominated, uh, A.J. Sauerf nominated, uh, Monday Night Magic Zone, Conley Woods, Conrad Colas, and everybody's favorite deck builder, Mike Flores. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah. Well, his Flores, his um, Genesis Wave was, Blue-Green Genesis Wave deck was run by multiple people at Worlds, and it had some mixed reviews, but still, I mean, it was, uh, Pat Chapin was so excited, he left the the thing in California to go to do the Star City event, because he was so excited about how it was going to work. And AJ's Deck Doctor, he did the uh, extended uh, blue-black blue tokens into um, Polymorph. So that he did a duck doctor at Worlds about it. Well, that's true. All right, let's go. Let's go to Jack's favorite category. Jack, do number four. My favorite category, number yes. four. All right, the podcast of the year. And I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun here, guys. We have the A team or the A team, if as we say it here in America. Limited resources. Yo, MTG taps. The Gins playground with his buttery smooth voice. Monday Night Magic, the Avant Card Show, and Mana Screwed. Thoughts? This is a this is a wide open field. I mean, you have very very unique podcasts. Each one of them are different. Um, limited resources is kind of the standard if you want to get information on that format. And considering how well their uh, their group on MTGO has expanded. And how well they've done, and they do very well on an MTG cast sites for downloads. Very easily to pick them. A-Team, obviously, the four of them together are hilarious. Yo MTG Taps, which is a Star City Games uh, property. You can't argue with that. Uh, Dejin, obviously Dejin has a lot of fun on his, and this week's episode for being 30 minutes was very fun. And Monday Night Magic, which is the staple on MTG cast with its multitude and variety of hosts. Uh, Avant Card Show, which is the fun, casual format that was voted for, and our podcast, which I, yeah. Which squeezed right in there by some margin of a vote. 
Yes, somebody voted for it, and I will tell you it was not no, it was not Tangent, it was not Jack, and it was not myself. So somebody else voted for us. Jack, your thoughts? Well Yeah, I I will admit I actually posted a vote for the Avant Card Show. Um and my reasoning for that is I've actually never had time to listen to the Manipool. Um and I haven't even had time to catch some of their more recent episodes of the Avant Card Show, but Every time I've listened to them, I've just busted out laughing. They they all meld well together. They've got a good chemistry, and they just they do great. Um, the Jin's playground. I mean, we can't really deny the presence the Jin has on the network. The guy really just like it. Like I said, has a great voice. He has a great show, and he edits it properly. And I mean, the whole thing is just packed with content. You can't help but like just want to tune in. And Yo MTG taps. It's just fun listening to the Joes. I mean, they're great. Um, the A team. Uh, I agree. I second Chris's opinion on them. I mean, sometimes they're a little dirty, but sometimes you got to get a little raunchy to get your information out there. Okay, we'll move on to the next category, which is Podcaster of the Year. Now, this was quite wide open, and you'll have multiple choices here. Um, Mike Flores from Top 8 Magic, um, Marshall and Ryan individually from Limited Resources, uh, Sam Stoddard, um, our own Jack here was voted, Yes! In contention podcast, yes. Uh, the Jin from the Jin's Playground. Tom from Monday Night Magic. Our own Chris Otwell from multiple podcasts. Uh, Joey Pasco. Uh, Jack Thomas from NTG Explosion. And me. Uh, so let's run over a couple of these really quick. Uh, it's interesting. You have a wide variety of votes, depending on what you want to vote for. Um, it was interesting to see who wasn't on the list. But it's very hard when you have so many people to vote for. I think this category will be very split for the vote. And I think it could be very wide open to see who could actually win this. I feel sorry for the other guys, personally. Well, they look... Marshall, Marshall, Marshall and Ryan did not vote for themselves. I just want to make that perfectly clear. And no one voted for themselves on this list, just so people know. So they're... Well, and like you said, it depends on what you're looking for. Out of the podcaster. I mean, if you you know you want serious, if you want someone who's a little more relaxed and fun. I mean, that's what made the voting for this nomination very wide open. Um, Chris, why don't you do the next one? I I can't tell you that. Could could be an very popular. Could be an interesting vote. I mean, I my vote my thought right off the head is that the A team should win this in pretty handily, but. You never know. Uh, and by the way, yes, there were a lot of votes for UMTG Taps, but when I got my email from both Big Head Joe and Joey Pasco, they said we started in 2009, we're not eligible for the award, so just want to clear that up completely. Jack, I'm going to give you the hardest, cate- hardest category to do. Is this because uh, we have to choose between Channel Fireball and Channel Fireball, or because it's there's only two <laughs> selections, sir? There's only two selections here. All right, well, team of the year, we have Channel Fireball and STG, which I'm assuming is Star City. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Typing error. Chills up correctly on, chills up correctly on the voting area. Uh, it should be interesting. It depends on what your view of it is. I mean, Channel Fireball obviously has the current Tide player for the year, one who finished third, um, and a couple others in the top ten. Uh, obviously, Star City Games, Jerry T had a phenomenal year. Um, you know, those outside of that, it depends how you view it. Yeah. 
We will we will see because it's all up to your vote. Now we're gonna go go to the next category, which is disappointment of the year. This is kind of the voting on this is not what I would have thought it would have came out to be, but there's a lot of choices and we'll go through them all. Uh, the Magic Player Awards being canceled, the new extended format, Brad Nelson's bad showing at Worlds, uh, multiplayer Magic product lacks support. I got multiple votes for this from the lack of support for any of the multiplayer formats, so it was combined into one. Um, obviously, the gentleman who will show up multiple times in categories is Sato Stalling at Florence, the Player of the Year tie, Team USA at Worlds, uh, LSV struggles in the semifinals at San Diego, new reserved list, uh, Infect and Limited, Man and Leak returns, Crew Ultimatum leaves standards, and DeckCheck.net closes. Thoughts, guys? Again, well, it'll be interesting because there were a lot of votes um, for different parts here. The uh, a lot of them got explanations. The Magic Player rewards being canceled. Obviously, there were a lot of people who were disappointed by that. Um, there was uh, the new extended format actually got a couple of votes uh, because of the changes of it. And a lot of times people think that's sour grapes because of the fact that they wanted to do it from Time Spiral forward because of the investment of cards. You know, a player of the year tie, you can understand that because it's the first time it ever happened. Uh, people thought Team USA was going to do better at Worlds because their team was pretty solid. It may not have been the best team, obviously, but it was pretty solid. Infect and Limited, well, it kind of made drafting of Limited kind of, you know what I mean, you either you had people passing on Infect completely and letting one person get it. It kind of made that format kind of slow. Um, a lot of, there was more votes for that than you would have thought. Um, and DeckNet uh, closing, uh, we all talked about that previously in the past, about the reasons why that happened. So that, that would end the disappointments of the year. Now we're going to go to the category that Jack is, since Jack's our best deck builder here. Jack. And I'm the obviously the most qualified podcaster here on the network. Uh, all right, deck of the year. All forms of survival, all 5,000 of them. If the car- deck had survival of the fittest somewhere in it, it is on here. Mythic Conscription, Jund, Blue-White Control, Eldrazi Green, Rug Control, Pyromancer Ascension, Kakal 2.0, Next Level Band, and Valakut Ramp. Well, personally here, I would really want to go with Survival simply because it's so near and dear right now to us, but I think Jund caused more anger and teeth gnashing than probably any other deck this year simply because you had people saying, oh, well, the Cascade mechanic makes it random, or then you had the Jund players defending their position saying, we're not playing a random deck, we're playing a very skilled deck. And the fact was, so many people had to deal with Jund before Jace the Mind Sculptor came out, or people became smart enough to actually start using Spreading Seas that the deck certainly deserves Deck of the Year. Plus, more people play standard anyways. It's interesting. I mean, there's lots of different thoughts on this. I had a lot of votes. Uh, the one for blue-white control came in because of what uh, Kibler did at Worlds with the ability to stop Valakut Ramp. Cherry T guided Valakut Ramp to two straight wins at Star City events. Pyromancer's Ascension, which was a lot of fun. A lot of people broke it different ways to make it more effective. Uh, the rug decks, 
obviously were very popular. Eldrazi Green won tournaments. Uh, Mythic Conscription was a factor for a while. So a lot of these decks had effects on it, but it all determined on what was actually out there. My thought thought for Deck of the Year was everybody can like a deck, and I figured if you were one of the people that said, you know what, I really like Jun, and even though I know Valakut Ramp is dominating right now, I really like Jun, and I thought Jun was the breakout deck of the year. I kind of wanted to give him that full year aspect of being able to choose, even if it wasn't the current deck right now. So let's move on. Then we will go to number 10, uh, which was story of the year. Uh, Brad Nelson for player of the year, Chase. Uh, Commander exists, and now it's supported by Wizards. Obviously, Sato suspended again. Uh, The player of the year competition now between Mathion and and Nelson. Uh, the top eight of Amsterdam. Uh, ironically, a vote for it again. Infect is back in Magic and the reprint policy. So, Jack, what do you think? Well, I mean, I would really love to say Commander now exists because I'm a very much a casual player and um, that affects me a lot more. However, it isn't about me. This is about what affects the community as a whole. I would like to go one, once again with the reprint policy because, as Chris said earlier, that has affected absolutely everybody that has ever purchased any product that is in Magic the Gathering from Wizards of the Coast. It is a much bigger deal, and even if you just you buy those cards and you never touch them again, the reprint policy has affected you in some slight way. So, by far, I say story of the year goes to the reprint policy. Well, and like I said, and like I said, we are just we're putting our thoughts out there ahead of time so you can make you can make an informed decision on your own for what you choose for the categories. Do not let our decisions our thoughts affect how you choose. We're just trying to give you our thoughts on it. You got to admit that was a hell of a top 8. Yeah. And all right, well, let's go, let's go to the category that should technically be renamed the uh, Pat Chapin Interview of the Year category. Um, Chris, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I think, if, I think if with the amount of, amount of Pat Chapin in here, obviously it, it goes to the quality that Chapin gives in interviews. And none of the interviews he did from the four of these interviews were the same. I mean, there was no lap over or no crossover from any of them. So if you listen to all four of these interviews, they're all uniquely different, which is which is interesting, and it shows you the depth of Chapin giving an interview. Um, that's true. I agree with that. And Rich Hagen was a personal favorite interview of myself. I, like I said, I would I would have loved to be switched places with him when it was at Worlds and have sitting there with BDM doing the announcing. So he was quite fascinating. Uh, George Baxter had such a phenomenal background on where Magic has been, and that was fascinating to me. And obviously, we all know Dijin, just how good he is. Yeah, I didn't get to listen to this conversations one either, but from what I understand, it was supposed to be really good. So there's quite a few choices out there for you to choose from for this, and that should make for a fascinating category. Uh, Jack, you want to do the next one? Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, the next category is Writer of the Year. We've got a choice between Patrick Chapin, uh, PVDR on Channel Fireball, Mike Flores on everywhere on the internet, including some of those sites you'd never go to, Chaz Andres on Channel Fireball, Ryan Spain on Waiting on Godot, Luis Scott Vargas on Godot, okay, Uh, Godot, okay, Uh, Luis Scott Vargas on Channel Fireball, and then we've got Mark Rosewater. 
Well, guys, I want to go with Mark Rosewater simply because his articles are always entertaining, and once again, as a casual player, that appeals to me. I don't always need the newest deck tech or the newest results from a tournament, but I'm very biased in my decision. What about you guys? My my disappointment was that Conley wasn't put on the list, but, you know, can only get so many votes around the corner for their considering how much he writes right now anyways. So, speaking of writers, we'll go to the next category, which is New Writer of the Year. Uh, A.G. Sauer from, that would be, I keep forgetting, Star City Games, yes. Uh, John Medina, uh, Matt, yes. Uh, Matt Becker, who I don't remember where he's from, apologize. Um, and the next one, oh, Jack, you want to try to pronounce that guy's name? By all means, Robert, major. because if somebody's going to butcher something on here, it's going to be me. Nojin Tukazugulu. <laughs> That's right, Nojin Tukazugulu is our next writer, and then there's Jay Kirkman and some other guys. Okay, uh, John Agley, the winner of the Star City Games Talent Search Contest, and Mr. Scotty Mack uh, from 60cards.com. Uh, personally, yes, yeah, quite speculation, yes. Uh, there are a lot of interesting choices there. I mean, really, the, the new writer of the year should be a wide-open category. You have your... Uh, uh, retailer, seller, writer. You have your pro deck building writers. You have your casual writers, and you have your uh, commander writer in there too with Scotty Mac. So it should be a wide open category that anyone can win. Uh, let's go. Let's go, Chris, to website of the year, number fourteen. If you're counting at home, Jack, you ready? Yep, I'm absolutely ready. Okay, go do fourteen. Love, Chris, do fifteen. Sweet. Okay. Website of the year. We've got a choice between the illustrious Star City Games, the doubly illustrious Channel Fireball, FloorsRewards.com, Quiet Speculation, Mana Deprived, MTGMom.com, MTGCast.com, and Mana Nation. Finally, I'm going to have to go with Megan because she has done something for the community that a very large, large group of us needed badly, and that is she has organized absolutely every major event going on in Magic for a single month into a nice, easy-to-pull-up calendar that even scrubs like me can use. So, Megan, you definitely get my vote. Problems with Chris again. Oh, you actually heard that? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was cutting and pasting uh, something. I, I right. tied my control to my turn on and off mic. Okay. Um, obviously, Star City Games, Channel Fireball, uh, they are going to give you your pro writers, so on and so forth. Floors Rewards, obviously that site was a lot of fun. People have driven a thousand miles just to get their picture taken to win a prize from FloorsRewards.com. Quite speculation, obviously, if you want to look at card prices and stuff like that. Very good site. Mana Deprived, uh, that would be Canada's best site for Magic. That's absolutely for sure. Uh, MTG Cast, home of all the podcasts. Uh, Mana Nation, uh, Trick Jarrett's website, uh, they provide a lot of content and a lot of interesting and unique articles that you won't get anywhere else. And like Jack said, you know, MTG Mom, what can you say? pretty straightforward on how, how she does and what she does to help us all out. Yeah, it is very it is a very useful resource, but at the same time, it is only a calendar, not as informative or as entertaining as many of the other websites are. 
true, but it also provides you a, a necessary resource that can be very helpful in order to do what you need to do if you want to be someone who's coming up the level, become a pro. So it's also a good, it's a great resource to hide, and it also helps people out. So there's nothing wrong with it, nothing there too. So whereas, let's go, Chris. Are you, whereas I right. think that MTG Cast, now that we've we've broken over three and three point one million downloads this year, and have over two thousand. Well, actually, close to twenty-one hundred episodes now published of active shows on our on our site. I still think that we are therefore should be a de facto website of the year, but that's just me. Yes, I that's my brand. I think One we're vote. pretty awesome too. <laughs> we're gonna get people confused on the MTG thing, so gonna be split votes there. No, I'm kidding. Um, Chris, do you have the list back up? Yeah, I'm up. Um, okay, let's go, let's go to fifteen. Favorite podcast episode of the year? Scrubland number 13, Monday Night Magic number 210, a.k.a. Revenge Crabs, and Connolly's Baby Powder, which seems to be talked about by everybody. The A-Team number 7, Coldotha. Coldotha or Phoenix? Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, you misspelled it then. Um, yeah, I did. The UMTG Taps Grand Prix DC Part 2 episode. The Mana Screwed Sack to Taint Power Taint episode. Four Spikes number one. The Jin's Playground number 15, which is about the reserved list. The A-Team with Jerry, Tom- Jerry Thompson's interview, which was one of the most recent episodes. Again, this is another wide open category. It all depends on what you really enjoy most about podcasts. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of ones that were very funny in the list, uh, a lot of very serious ones. And if you want a podcast that was a podcast slash interview, you would pick the Jerry T one because it was like a hour and 20-minute instant Jerry T interview. So there's lots of interesting votes there you can choose from. What do you think, Jack? Uh, Well, personally, as I was part of it, I'm going to have to go with the Revenge Crabs episode. I will state that it had absolutely nothing to do with magic, but it was a hell of a lot of fun to record. I mean, right now, in retrospect, it's kind of like the morning after. You're a little bit of ashamed of yourself. You're a little bit wondering if anybody even noticed that after that little bump in the road. But, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun to record. By far, my favorite episode of Monday Night Magic so far, other than our live ones, of course. All right, then let's go. Let's go to the next category. Jack, go ahead. All right, we're gonna have right now some more bland ego stroking, and it's gonna be <laughs> the best Twitter person in Magic. Ladies and gentlemen, the categories are Mike Flores, Lee Sharp, Evan Irwin, John Medina, Megan or Life on Auto, and Jay Boosh. And, of course, we have an honorable mention that Chris would love to mention right now. I still think one of the funniest people in all of Twitter is known as The Real Ding Pong. T-H-E-R-E-A-L-D-I-N-G-P-O-N-G. The Real Ding Pong. He has some of the funniest statements, and while it's not necessarily specifically magic, because it's it's basically an alter, alternate uh, personality form, a person who does comic... Uh, web co- build, builds web, web comics and does podcasting himself, uh, Scott Johnson. Um, it is some of the funniest stuff out there. And to give you an example of one of the things that was not too not too recently tweeted, let's go pick one. 
Ding pong fingers smell funny. No idea how it got that way. Ding pong needs soap. Alright, don't worry. Oh. That's an example. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I don't read that well. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, um, among these people, I think Mike Flores, uh, depending on which account you listen to of his, is some of the funniest stuff out there, too, as well, for specifically magic. Um, it is interesting, yeah. It depends on what you're looking for. I mean, uh, you know, uh, John Medina constantly will update you on cards are trading for, or deck ideas he has, and different things like that. Uh, Megan, obviously, I, I, she does all the fun stuff. You I know. guess best Twitter person is a bit subjective, because what is best in each person's eyes depends on what you want to get out of that, out of reading Twitter. True. Very, very true. And if you're Jack, you have, like, two people on their list, and that's okay. Yeah, and I'm good with that. <laughs> Alright, well, Batman and cast. Yes. Let's have some fun here. This is the uh, category that was asked for by multiple people not to be on the list, but uh, it was mentioned to me by somebody, and I thought it was funny enough to put on there. The angriest person in Twitter for magic. We have Dr. Jeebus, Jay Bush, Kelly Reed, Sam Stoddard, the guy who goes by Norit, someone by the name of Torotoral, and Caveman Kellen. Uh, I personally think this should be a two-horse race between Jeebus and Jay Bush, but that's just my own personal opinion. It should be pointed out. Jeebus by far. Even with Jay, with all his crazy stuff? No, no, dude. Even with Jay Bush, Jeebus has more rage and executes it more perfectly. Yeah, but he had more rage than Jay, but uh, Jeebus may be close be interesting. Uh, and a lot of these votes, as much as they would seem to be multiple votes, a lot of the votes that came down here at the end were actually multiple votes. Uh, it was interesting to see that Kelly Reed got votes multiple times, but I was just I don't notice that from him, but maybe it was just me not reading him correctly. Oh, nope. We lost Chris again. Sorry about that. Are we still recording or no? Yeah, we're recording. I just That's okay. by accident. Um, it should be pointed right. out that Norit is actually one of the members of, of R&D from Wati. Oh, jeez. Uh, Ooh. And it is... What's his name again? Who's the big multiplayer guy who always loves big green creatures? I remember the name, but yeah, I know what you're talking about now, because now, now that I look at the actual picture, I recognize him from Monday Night Magic. Or not from, from the wizard site. Damn it, he hasn't posted any in the last few days. So scrolling down and down and down. Well, I will like to say this. When Jeebus burns you, it's not just a regular burn. It's like an octaburn. It burns you on eight different levels. Norris, Kenneth, so, Kenneth Nagel. That's it. Yeah. And he is actually a very angry person in, in real life, too. Ah, well, there you go. that way. He seems don't tame on Twitter compared to his real life. I don't picture Sam Stoddard being that angry of a person. No, he, I never got that impression from him from his podcast. So yeah, and he got sure. multiple votes, so it was uh, interesting. Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure why he had been selected as an option, but it makes sense. So I expect Sam to get less than 1% of the vote, so just let's let that know now. So. Um, 
Okay, uh, let's go to have Jack do the next category. All right, number 18, for those of you keeping track at home, is the news story of the year. We've got <sighs> Cider being banned yet again. Disaster striking the Magic Cruise 3. Change in draft order. Commander actually being supported by Wizards of the Coast, or EDH, or however you want to say that. And lastly, but certainly the most recent, $45,000 in MDG being stolen from Watsi. By a former employee. Gary. Well, guys, thing. what do you think? I, I showed somebody how you could steal $45,000 of Magic cards with the way he did it. And literally, if you take a stack of 50 cards and just hold them in your hand, you can put them in your pocket and you'll never know. And if you do it 70 times like yeah, it was the in there, like, that's how you come up with it. He was taking, oh. like, judge foils and stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, limited promo cards and all that stuff. I mean, it was amazing stuff he stole. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I would love to actually see the full collection, but obviously we'll never see that. And the problem is, is we don't know how much he actually took because they only recovered 1,734 cards. Yeah, so it was interesting. And what's even more depressing is, I mean, like, this stuff might wind up as evidence against him, so it's never even going to be back in circulation. Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Wow. Well, the disaster striking the Magic Cruise 3 uh, with the actual ship itself uh, before it was supposed to make its run for the Magic Cruise 3, actually, it was stuck out in sea for like three or four days. It lost power and stuff like that, and then they changed it up, and now you have full canceling. They decided to redo it somewhere else, Well, now no pros are going on it, so really, is it a Magic Cruise? So. It should be pointed out that that cruise actually blew up several months ago, and they just now had this problem where they had to cancel it at the last minute, where it, it, they could have had the thing operational. And sorry about that notice. That should be the last time you hear that message. Okay. There's a lot of disappointed people that aren't able to go on the Magic Cruise 3. Uh, the change in the draft order? Yeah, it, it can shake up uh, the way you draft, because usually you're not used to drafting backwards. And that is fascinating. Uh, Commander being supported by Watsi. Yeah, it's nice to see that a casual format is actually being supported by Watsi, and hopefully more than just one time. And it is good because it has the backing of the level 5 judge, which will always help a format actually stick around a little longer. But I'm going to go to the next one, which is my personal favorite category. <laughs> the mana screwed moment of the year. Uh, we had the first vote was the Ride the Woolly Thoktar episode with Ben. That was one of our funniest episodes by far. It was hysterical how he went off on this. And it was like about a 20 minute rant of the three of us just laughing with Ben going crazy. Uh, the GP Toronto recap, uh, one of, obviously I did that. It was a lot of fun to go through and say my thank yous and go through everything. Uh, 29A, the GFABs interview. Um, can I say, he's a lot of fun and has a lot of insight, and I would have loved that interview to go longer, but time restraints and everything like that. Uh, Big Head Joe showed up on multiple episodes of, of Mana Screwed, and every time he came on, Jack wasn't, the one time he was on, he was on for, what, two hours? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he led us to like a two-plus-hour episode, so it was quite interesting. Um, my interview on Gigi's Live, which was a lot of fun. Uh, the Sack the Power Taint show, which was quite hysterical in many ways. Uh, we had a vote for the Force Sprikes joining the crew for an episode. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, ben and his Frog Nuts uh, commentary. Uh, quite hysterical, too. And last but not least, Jack joining the show on a full-time basis. So Yes, kiss my ass even more, Robert. Please, by all means. You, you have a very good chance to win this category. Well, I gotta say, like, when I first started this, like, I was very, very, uh, I don't want to use the word scared, but man, you got, like, being on with, I think it was, uh, KYT, where he was talking about, uh, no, it was Ben talking about riding the Thoktar and spraying people down with, uh, vodka GP so that they would be clean and drunk. Oh, God, it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm glad I'm with you guys now. Ben made things interesting, but Ben decided that in his wisdom that it was time to move on from Magic for a second or a third time and move on to some different challenge in life. But that's okay, that's his decision, and when Ben leaves, opportunity opens up and Jack steps in. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so, Chris, with Jack for a long time. I always slip my way in things. Yep. There you go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Chris, number 20. Yes. Uh, favorite favorite draft set of the year. Of the year. Uh, Scars of Mirrodin, Rise of the Eldrazi, Magic 2011, Zendikar and Zendikar, World Wake, or just straight Zendikar. Um, my opinions is that World that Rise of the Eldrazi introduced people to a different style of, of drafting, and in actuality, brought me back into limited entirely. But so that's my favorite draft set of the year, and I and I've drafted a ton of Rise and a ton of. Magic uh, 2011 and a ton of Scars of Mirrodin at this point. Um, just not a fan of the super aggro formats that Zendikar represents, but a lot of people are fans of those types of aggro of formats, so this will be an interesting, evenly voted upon field. Jack, any thoughts? Um, well, I did originally vote for Magic 2011. Um, I didn't get a lot of chances to actually draft with Rise. Uh, I had a lot of things going on at the time. Um, I was surprised that not more people didn't vote for Scars. I mean, yeah, there's very well-defined archetypes, but, I mean, you still got stuff like the Furnace Celebration decks. You still have decks that run Infect that can win. Um, Even though it's blatantly obvious that red and white are the most, are probably arguably the strongest colors, there's still a lot of different ways to play and draft Scars that people are still tinkering with. And, I mean, I like that availability. I like those options. I don't think okay. we've ever fully solved Rise and all of its possible dark draft archetypes yet. But oh, no, yeah. Marshall's Marshall's talked about Rise of the Eldrazi and the fact that you're right. There there's still more archetypes that were needed to be explored, and he was constantly exploring them. Even when Rise was quote not in the current thing, he was still drafting it. So if you want an expert on on the limited thing. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would think that Marshall would be going with. All right, let's go to 21. Favorite Planeswalker, not named Jace the Mind Sculptor or Jace 2.0 as I have here. We have votes for Elspeth, Gideon, Fencer, Sarkon Vall, Garth, Akoth, uh, Johnny Vengeant, Garuk, Chandra Blaze, 
amazing on that one. Uh, Tezzeret and Nikolai Bolas, and the vote for Nikolai Bolas was is because gentleman in particular who voted for this won a tournament with it. So there's the vote for Nikolai Nicol Bolas. Thoughts? Elspeth's the most powerful. I think Tezzeret. Really? I think it's yeah, I think the same power level as Jay's 2.0. Oof. Wow. Uh, care to explain why, Chris? Elspeth the Night Errant, because it has the ability to not only give win conditions, but you can make dudes that clog up the board, and it completely warps the playfield and battlefield around its existence, and you just cannot let it live, because it will destroy the game as far as, as your board position. It'll, it'll just completely take over games. I can agree Gideon, to that. Um, Gideon I think, screws up the ability to do combat considerably because it'll make everybody attract Gideon, but eventually Gideon dies half the time by doing that. But it does like it basically acts like a fog from time to time where Elspeth is always always board dominating. Um, arguably the most powerful possible planeswalker is Venser because of the all the stuff it, all the retarded things it can end up doing in a game. Um, and especially with its from its special abilities and if you ever get its ultimate off, its ultimate is unstoppable. Johnny Vengeance can take over games, or you you just let it go unchecked for a while. It can blow up all the land and make make it very unfair for a player to to be able to compete. Uh, Garrick, I think, is like an average power. Chandra Blaze, I think, is like average power or lower. Tezzeret is all right. Um, I wonder if the future Tezzeret will be better than the old Tezzeret, though. Nickel Bolas can be powerful. Koth uh, can be game warping, but yeah, I think. Other than Jace 2.0, I think Elspeth the Night Errant is probably the most powerful Planeswalker we've ever seen printed. Jack, you said you were going to say well, Tesseract. Well, yeah, originally I was going to say Tesseract, but I think I've changed my vote here. Um, in a straight vacuum, I really, really badly want to say Koth, because he absolutely fixed everything that one could consider wrong with Red Deck wins. But the problem is, other than RDW and Valakut, where is Koth really seeing play? Right. On a red artifact? My point exactly. Well, I mean, okay, other than any... Alright, I guess what I'm saying is he doesn't have as many practical applications as some of the other Planeswalkers. Um, yep. Arguably, Tezzeret is the same way. Uh, Garrick Wildspeaker, um, I'm still a fan of him because... He is a planeswalker that, in all seriousness, really costs two when he comes out. Um, a Johnny Vengeant, when people finally realize that this card was not a aggro card, and in fact you can win the game with him in a control archetype, I would like to say that he probably had more power. But um, Elspeth, yeah, Elspeth can absolutely turn the game around, has been played in Legacy to great success, has been even probably been played in Vintage to great success. Don't quote me on that. Um, so yeah, I will actually go with you and say Elspeth is probably the better card. Chris, why don't you go to the next category? Wizards of Coast better best writer of the year. Uh, Tim Willoughby, Eric Lauer, BDM, Mike Flores, Mark Rosewater, and Adams Daborski. I'm gonna let my personal bias come out here and I'm I'm voting for Adam because he uh, he you know obviously joins us on Monday Night Magic and he his decks his thoughts are a lot of fun, and like Jack says, sometimes it's just nice to have fun with a 
with an article and to be able to run with it. But that's just my personal opinion. Well, uh, I still find Mark Rosewater pretty entertaining, but yeah, um, Adam does a very good job over at the Mothership. Um, it's cool to hear from Mark Rosewater because he's directly influenced a lot of sets. Um, but Adam, as far as kind of being like a guy that you can just connect with, yeah, definitely. Chris? I think Rosewater is probably the best writer in Magic, so. Okay. That's pretty biased. All right. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to the next category, which is the best video podcast for the year for Magic, uh, the Magic Show with Evan Irwin, Channel Fireball with Louis Scott Vargas and Tristan Sean Gregson, Deck Doctor segment with Conley Woods, the Chapin Sperling Show, Tribal Time with Tom, which was not voted by Tom, just so you know, and the Watsies coverage of the Pro Tour. Uh, I have a personal opinion on this, and maybe it's my bias coming through, but I personally really like the LSV and TSG segments because they're 10 minutes, they're a lot of fun, and I have sympathy for Humphrey. And if you don't know who Humphrey is, you haven't watched enough of, of their of their show. Jack? Um... The Wizards of the Coast coverage this year was actually superb. I just I like watching Rich Hagen and the rest of the gang just yuck it up and actually give relevant information that people desperately want at the time. However, if you've never actually sat down and watched a tribal time with Tom, you really should after this podcast. Tom gives entertaining information and actually builds affordable decks with cards that aren't absolutely crazy to understand and actually work. Plus, he does so in a format that is very attractive to casual players and even competitive players alike. Chris? Um, I've watched several episodes of The Magic Show, and I really do like it. Um, at the same time, I think it's roughly as good as the uh, Planes Walking with the Professors, which can be arguably as good or better than Evan Warren's show. But I think they're equally valid. Um, as much as I love... Uh, getting to know and talk to, to um, Tristan uh, from Channel Fireball and, and got, having been involved in one of those episodes already, I can't say I've had taken the time to watch very many of them in general. So I'm going to reserve opinion on that still. Um, and I have not watched any of the Deck Doctors from Connolly yet. Uh, I tried to watch the Sperling Chapin show, but the first episode and was kind of turned off because I didn't think Sperling made a very good co-host and did not handle camera appearance very well at all, um, which kind of deterred me from wanting to watch fewer ones after that. Um, I have enjoyed the tribal time with Tom ones before, but I think the Watsi coverage of the Pro Tour to me is the ultimate example of what the video podcast should achieve, especially when it goes not just the the, the actual event of the top eight, but you're also talking about all the deck doctors and interviews that they spend. I think that is heads and shoulders above everything else on this list. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that considering the fact of the effort that's put into it. But like I said, it's all personal opinion. It all depends on what you really enjoy, what you expect out of a video podcast. Uh, Chris, why don't you do what color came back in 2010? Um, I'm assuming the category means what color made a comeback as opposed to yeah. comeback. Um, so, because these had to be 
colors that didn't do well previously. Um, green, blue, white, and colorless. Arguably colorless shouldn't be a category, but whatever. Um, that was voted on by Tom. Okay, but it's not a color. Um, <laughs> I think prior to the existence of Primal Titan, green was probably... Well, I mean, it was used in Jun, but it was only used peripherally because of some cards that were gold border that had green in them, not because it was a focus of the deck, per se. And at the same time, in the before uh, the printing of M M twenty eleven, the worst color in Magic was was being considered be be blue, and Jace. With the introduction of Jace 2.0 and then 2011, basically revived blue back to the level of where it normally sits in power level. So I think the color that made the biggest comeback this year is probably blue for that reason, because the previous two years blue was literally unplayable in most at most times, um, especially during the dominance of Jund. Um, you can make an argument for white making a comeback because now white control is actually a viable strategy again. Uh, and White Weenie can be played in in Legacy, in, uh, not Legacy, but uh, in Extended again. But I don't think that's nearly as big of an argument to be made for the green or blue. And I'm just going to ignore colors for existence. That's Tom's vote, so we, we put it up there, even though even though technically it's not a color, but Tom voted for it, so we put it up there. Jack, 25. 25. What is the worst color of 2010? You've got a choice between red, black, white, blue. Guys? Red's always the worst color in Magic. Even if red deck wins? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it wins or not. It's, you know, friends don't let friends play red. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Chris's answers are just straight up. This is exactly what I think. Well, <laughs> I will say this. I think red is probably the worst color in 2010 simply because red is following an extremely linear path right now. You don't really see red doing anything wild and crazy. I mean, with black, you at least get inter interesting cards like uh, Persecutor. And in white, I mean, you get all kinds of different crap. Worst color of 2010 is blue? What? I mean, Jace the Mind Sculptor exists, dude. There no, was, no way. There, the worst there was color to one play. vote. For blue. Well, the was... worst color to play against? I will I'll agree to that. <laughs> if you want to argue the time frame pre-2011, you can argue blue was the worst color. Post-2011, uh, you know, Magic 2011 release, blue is probably the strongest color. And is it, okay. red, I don't know. Black has lots of interesting things. They do a lot of interesting things. Has some interesting creature abilities. Red never has anything really interesting. Um, the only interesting card in red that usually that got printed this entire year has been cloth, and even then, isn't that far off and beat what red typically tries to do. So it is true. No arguing there. Now, twenty-six. The worst set the draft. We have votes for M11, Scars of Mirrodin, Worldwake, Rise of the Adrazi, and Zendikar. Um, my personal opinion is is it was very hard to draft M11 because there were so many... I don't know. I guess the way 
it felt when you draft it was kind of awkward, clunk, clunky sometimes, and you'd get stuck too much into a format, and I didn't really like it, but that's just a personal opinion. I don't think you knew Jack? it well enough then. Uh, you know, I don't know. It wasn't my, I, my original vote wasn't for M11, but after reading what people's comments were, kind of influenced my thought on it. And a lot of people thought SARS was bad because of the fact that there's infect and there's, you know, red-white only, and then you'd have to come up with other stuff if you got stuck off colors, and it was interesting. I, there's some interesting categories, interesting votes there. Uh, the Rise of the Adrazi, that I'm trying to figure out, how that yeah, got out. That's, that's arguably the best draft that we've had in 10 years. So. Yeah, that won't get a lot of votes. No. Um... I can see an argument why Scars might be considered a bad draft set. Uh, it reminds me far too much of the original Mirrodin set for drafting, in that you either try to go heavy artifacts and not commit to a color at all, or you're stuck in a color because of a couple bombs, and you can't make anything work around it effectively. And it's too easy to get cut off from other people splashing into your color that you you end up getting a bad draft out of the end, because you you weren't able to you were you were too influenced by colorless bombs that you ended up um, giving strong signals on what colors you were drafting too easily. And I don't know, it's it's a hard set to draft. Let's put it this way: it's not necessarily the worst set to draft, but it's a very it's a very hard set to draft effectively. Um, which is also why I tend to just play a lot more sealed with scars than I do draft with scars. Whereas at M11, I'll I I will draft a lot of M11 time to time because I enjoy it as a format. So, and and love to draft rise. So, yeah, I have no opinion about world weight in the card drafting. Jack, why don't you do twenty-seven? Okay, gentlemen, for twenty-seven we have worst planeswalker of the year. These are the guys that you literally put into your trade binder, and they're now gathering dust because you haven't wrote them and you've forgotten about them. Uh, Chandra ablaze, Liliana Vess. Nisa Ravain, Sarkin the Mad, Soren Markov, Elspeth, <laughs> Venzer, and Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, I know why the vote was for Jace the Mind Sculptor is because oh. of the fact that it broke a format. And well, it was the worst because of that. Oh, that's that's being petty. Protest vote. That's a protest that's vote. Well, you can argue and that's saying for Elspeth too, but no, that's just being petty. They're they're definitely not bad. Those are some of the best planeswalkers we, we may ever see. Well, it is interesting to see the the Chandra Blaze uh, Liliana Vest. Actually, what's funny was is the the couple of the people that voted for Nissa or Vane made an obvious point: is where does it play? It has no it has no <laughs> life. Nissa or Vane yeah. has no life outside of being stuck with a bunch of elves. Yep. Yep. And so that's too easy to kill in that case. And even in that case, it's too easy to kill, and it's. And it's basically nothing but a kitchen, ta a kitchen table style button card, and and may never evolve beyond that as a card. Um, I can say the biggest disappointment for a planeswalker is probably Soren Markov, though. And you did misspell it because it's actually yes, I did. Uh, yes, I did. I like Soren Markov better there. <laughs> Soren Markov should, if he would have been cheaper to cast, he would have been a great planeswalker in standard. But being a three black and three, it became basically impossible to use as a card, effectively. 
so we had a we had a discussion over that. Planeswalker. We had a we had a discussion over that, and that that if that planeswalker would have been casted one, and three black, it might have been very effective. Or just two black and two made it similar to to El, to you know Elspeth and Jay's. If you had more synergy yeah. with those types in those casting costs, it cost. Sar- yeah, Sauron could have been a lot better than he turned out being. I think it was just a huge disappointment because of his casting cost. Yeah, well, it's hard cast six. I mean, now considering what four is the standard. Yeah, but you know, know, ironically enough, I also played with him in my last FNM, and he was a bomb in that deck in the last FNM because I put him in the blue black control deck, and he just took over some games against people. But you know, so be it. He still, he still is a disappointment because of his casting cost. I can't even recall what Sarkin the Mad does. Uh, he turns dudes into dragons. And he draws uh, five dragons. dragons. He, he, he also draws cards losing his loyalty. Ah, so he did suck. Okay, I'll say we move on to the next category. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Worst magic related product of 2011. The dual decks from the anime Jace vs. Chandra. Though, I think the well, pictures are cute. Well. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. There were lots of votes for dual decks, but the anime Jace and Chandra got the most votes. Just when you vote the category, make sure you're just voting for dual decks as a category, as a category in general. But that was the one that got the most com- comments about it. So, okay. Well, next. Kind of funny is the one that I selected isn't even on this list anymore. Where'd it go? I don't know. It's not on the list because uh, okay. I. I wanted uh, the dual Planeswalkers decks, which are not the same as dual decks. Oh, okay. That was my uh, fault. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> okay. The dual Planeswalkers decks are actually individual decks that are tied to a video game, as well as being a deck that you can pick up and play as a casual deck. But, oh. Uh, none of them are very good. Um, Sorry about that. Arch Enemy as a product, which is the multiplayer product of 2010, uh, lets you go one versus many. Uh, World Wake as a set, the set that therefore held Jace and all the man lands in it, which aren't amazing. Um, the Deck Builder's Toolkit, which is actually a 2009 product, not a 2010 product, because we've had version 2 come out in 2010. Uh, none all were good. Okay. Yeah, the, the person who voted for it thought every product they put out in 2010 was good. Like, okay. okay sure. Uh, all the starter decks. Or the probably the thirty card or forty card decks that come out with each, like uh, like the M the M ten twenty ten or M twenty eleven decks, uh, the, the shards foil packs, which I can actually see a debate for because it seems like they printed way too many foils and they just decided to boost to wrap them up into boosters itself, and the mini booster packs, which I can totally agree with because who really wants to buy a six card booster pack that potentially has no rares at all in it. It was interesting. I got a couple of the reasons why the um, uh, the deck builders toolkit because it wasn't what they were expecting from it, and that was that was why it was disappointing. Uh, the shards foil packs, like you said before, it looked like they just took all the extra shards foils and just wrapped them up in packs. Um, the reason I got a person argue with me about the mini booster packs, and the mini booster packs were designed for the little kid who has a couple dollars in his pocket just to buy them and have some magic cards. I understand the marketing aspect behind it, but at the same time, people buy those cards and then they wonder, well, if you have any knowledge of magic ahead of time, you always feel ripped off when you buy those. 
versus, you know, yeah, you can make an argument why they're, they're sitting on a shelf in Walmart for little kids to pick up and say, ooh, I want that, and it's only two bucks, and talk to their dad into paying for it. But yeah, educated players have no need to ever touch that product. That's true. Well, to me, All the right. mini booster packs feel like more of a Blanton cash grab than anything else listed here. Yeah, it seems like it's a marketing. To me, it's a it's a bad product that's that's specifically marketed in a, in a bad way. So, Jack, why don't you do twenty nine? Sure thing. Uh, twenty nine is the best format of twenty ten. We've got extended, standard, legacy, draft, sealed, and the newcomer commander. Um, I don't really want to go with Commander simply because even though it is now a quote-unquote official format, we've not really seen anything for quote-unquote Commander yet. We've seen a lot of stuff for EDH, and you don't really have any raw data to go on with that except like random blogs and what you hear on podcasts, so I'm I'm going to totally ignore Commander. Um, I Legacy has not seen a tremendous amount of innovation. Um, there's been the rise of survival uh, and then the subsequent banning of it. Um, I want to say Extended, and my reasoning for this is Extended has instantly become more approachable for thousands of players out there. I mean, you can QQ and cry about it all you want, but now you can take your standard deck, literally, and by swapping out a couple of cards and making an educated guess on the metagame, actually deep in and go play in an Extended tournament. I mean, what has Jund really lost from Standard uh, when you go into Extended? Absolutely nothing. I think the new extended is probably the best format for 2010. All right. On the contrary, if it was such a good format, why is it not popular at all and rarely ever goes off on Magic Online? That's well. See, I know nothing about Moto. Okay. Well, that that format is not supported by the player base right now. Now, if we want it to become a good format, it's going to have to be physically supported to come in like a Friday Night Magic sanctional format, which has been hinted at by Mike Turian recently as being a possibility, but it, it has no has no solid player following, therefore I can't see it ever being good in this list. But Commander is the is probably the best is probably the most favorite format of players who are not necessarily competitive, or those that are, they still enjoy group games and Commander is probably the best casual format that ever existed. I agree. Well, I was a big fan of draft, but that's just me because I like drafting in anything. Whether it's well, draft whether is it's huge on Magic Online too, so draft, draft yeah. is like ninety percent of the tournaments on Magic Online is draft. So, you know that that's my thing. I like to draft. I like I like draft. I like sealed, but sealed takes so long. One of the, All right. If I, if I remember correctly, the old quote from John Finkel was, "Watsy made a horrible constructed game, but an amazing draft game in Magic." All right, 30 in the final category is Player of the Year. Brian Kibler, Jerry Thompson, Paulo, Fred Nelson, and then the honorable mention vote, which is actually able to vote, and this is the exact quote from one of the people that voted for him, Conley Woods, not because of his Player of the Year run physically to say, but his contributions to the community, his fun deck ideas, his cool personality, and his overall play skill sets him apart this year. So, capital P, capital Y, or a small P, small Y? Um, depends on how you want to look at it. 
No, Guillaume. I say lowercase personally. Guillaume did not make the list, so it is interesting because I mean, if you look at it from a very small, short picture of time, Jerry Thompson had a phenomenal run, and Brian Kibler, Hall of Fame, had some great moments this year. Um, Paulo obviously just through his consistency and the run he made at Worlds, and Brad Nelson from start till the almost end was consistently on the coverage and constantly top eighting. It seemed like every tournament. So it should be an interesting vote. Yeah, I think what it would go with a capital P, capital Y for Brad Nelson this year, just because Jack? he had such a dominant performance. Uh. Brad Nelson, if for no other reason than his beard, um, but I am going to give a huge shout out to Conley here. I mean, the people really underestimate how much work he puts into like both trying to enhance the community and actually try to help people with decks and stuff like that. So as far for a lowercase option, I'd go with Conley, but Brad Nelson for the uppercase one. Well, this is this is about this is the end of the show here. We're going to tell you where to go vote. Um, to go vote for this, you go to manuscrewpodcast.com. You can vote on all 30, categ- uh, 30 categories of questions voted here for. Um, again, we apologize for Tangent not making it back. Obviously, he is still stuck on the road somewhere in Washington. So hopefully he gets home safe and home to his wonderful girlfriend. And he will hopefully be joining us next week when we actually do the award ceremony. Now, I'm going to make a little shout-out now at the end of the show here. For those of you who would like to, I'd like to thank all the people that helped by voted for these categories. I also would like to put a big shout-out to any of the podcasters out there that do the shows that are listening. You would like to have one of these categories to give a announcement for. Uh, let us know at uh, manuscrewed at gmail.com and send us an email and what we will do is we're going to close voting on this by Tuesday so what we can do is we can send you the category you want with the people and who actually won so you can do your and best format of 2010 winner is you know draft and you can do your own plug for your own show or so on and so forth on there. So please send those emails to manscrewed at gmail.com. And is there anything else you guys want to talk about tonight? I'm good. Chris? Um, no, there's no other particular topic I want to talk about. I just, you know, I just want people to go out there and... and Look up the ding, the real ding pong on on Twitter, and actually read some of this stuff. It's comedy gold, even though I can't like do it justice trying to read it. Okay, um, and on that note, like I said, go vote. Uh, voting will close Tuesday. Again, like I said, if you want to help out and contribute to this by picking one of the categories and doing a little thing that we can snip into next week's show, please let us know. And others outside of that, I'm Robert. I'm Jack. And I am Chris. And Tangent is somewhere stuck out in the snowdrift. And this is Manuscrewed, and we are out.